Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Kicks and Kicks Podcast. Nick, Coach Steve, and Scotty here with a very special guest. You guys know him from the ringer, Steve Cerruti, another Roma fan. We're trying to get outnumbered over here. Steve, thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you doing? Anytime. Yeah, I was just commenting before we hopped on about your uh, your Lazio kit. Looks, uh, you know, good day for you guys, obviously. Not a great day for Milan, but it's going to be fun, man. Two through what? Six? Two through, I guess, yeah, six now because Juve is out. At least temporarily, it's going to be awesome to close out the year. Yeah, three teams going to fight, I think, for this uh, this final Champions League spot. It's going to be a hell of a second half of the season. We're excited. Yeah, I think the craziest thing, too, while we're on that is the two Rome clubs might be in a more advantageous position than Milan clubs in form right now. It's, it's pretty crazy. I would have never expected it uh, before the World Cup break. So the thing I was saying, I was talking to some friends yesterday, um, and before the match today, if you asked me, like, you know, what's Lazio's ceiling? I would have said fifth, sixth. You know, they're, they're fighting for that second-tier European place. After the win today, my my answer's got to change a little bit. I mean, I uh, you know, Steve and I have talked about it. I, I think Roma's runway is a little bit longer, right? I think they're a better squad on paper. I think they have a little bit more depth. Um, Tammy and, and Pellegrini, for me, haven't hit their stride yet, but they stay healthy. If Dybala stays healthy, um, I think it's theirs to lose. But at this point, anything can happen. I'm, I'm pretty pumped after that win, for sure. I think the shocking thing for me, Nick, is that Chiro's missed what, like half dozen, six, six, seven games. So like you're talking about doing this while missing arguably your best player for a third of their matches. So it's it's coming from all angles. It's pretty good. I mean, credit to Sari because obviously he's the one that's pulling the strings, but it's you know pretty good job effort or pretty good effort all around from from everybody in the squad. It's weird too because they're you know they're they're two opposite sides, right? Like Lazio are fun to watch. Roma aren't really that fun to watch, but they're a little bit more settled at the back. They're a little bit more conservative. Uh, you know, historically, you'd say that probably favors Roma's playing style. But I don't. I, I mean, putting my bias aside, like I've been impressed with Lazio. I didn't didn't have that many expectations. I think obviously their players, like they have some more probably world class or close to players than Roma do. But I think Roma's eleven and maybe as you mentioned, depth. Even though I don't think Roma has that great of depth. They have better depth than Lazio do. So it's kind of like a weird. Sort of like they're they're very polar opposites, and I, as a Roma fan, like I would lean towards like Jose and being conservative and not giving up goals. They have the best XG I think of any team in 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 all top five leagues in Europe. Um, and I don't know that all three of their center backs are great. I just think that's just the way Mourinho plays. Uh, where you know, but the problem was they weren't scoring, and now they're actually kind of scoring again. We can get into to the Zaniolo stuff. I know we're gonna get that a little bit later, but if they actually start scoring some goals, like I feel pretty good about. It. Yeah, and I think the thing for Lazio that surprises me as a Roma fan, when you look at the numbers, Lazio's only conceded 15 times this year. Roma 16, uh, Napoli 14, and Juve 15. Those are the top four defenses in Serie A. And like Steve mentioned, the XG allowed. Roma's got the best of the top five leagues in Europe, so that speaks to Mourinho. But Lazio quietly having a really good defensive season despite blowing a couple leads right after the the restart. Yeah, I mean, I think Provadel has been huge. Uh, unexpected, right? It's the guy who didn't even start or wasn't expected to start coming into the season. Uh, got the call the second minute of game one and hasn't looked back. And I, I think it's kind of the same for Roma. You know, defenders have all improved, but competent goalkeeping makes a big difference. I know you guys have had a disaster over the past two or three years. So um, even somebody that's a little bit above average seems like it's it's all the difference in the world. Yeah, Patricio's been on the way down, I feel like, this season. Yeah. Like, he definitely had a great year last year, and they wouldn't have won the Conference League without him. So, you know, I'll tip my cap to him. Thank you very much. But they'll probably be looking for a goalkeeper this offseason, I would imagine. No doubt. So, before we get into that game, guys, um, Steve, we brought you on. You're, you're a betting expert. You do this day in and day out like we do. Um, 
want to just pick your brain a little bit on how you got into it. You know, what, what brought you to this beautiful game and, and this degenerate thing that we all do here? Um, is there is there anything you want to tell us there? And, and certainly, um, you know, what is it you're looking for when you're starting to put some bets together, looking at the spreads, looking at the odds and everything? Yeah, I'm relatively new. Like, I'm not the, the kind of guy who, like, grew up from, you know, in my teenage years with, like, a bookie and, you know, free, like, you know, all these apps and different websites. I dabbled in, like, Bovada maybe, like, five, ten years ago where, you know, it was kind of sketchy of how you'd actually get your money back. But I'll, you know, throw a few bucks, a few shekels down on different games. And now that it's just become, like, widely available and I'm at home watching all these games anyway, I'm like, I might as well have some action on it, right? And then you kind of learn different trends. Like, I wasn't – I was certainly uh, much more aware of, like, NBA or NFL – betting than I was soccer betting and now I feel like it's completely flipped now like I don't bet on the NFL I do bet on the NFL but like anybody who tries to win money with betting NFL it's like a fool's errand like it's impossible yeah it's just impossible and I do think that there are some there are like you know I don't know if the sharpest lines are the serial lines for example like I had a buddy a long time ago who was kind of a degenerate and he was like I've watched a ton of NBA uh, WNBA games and I bet on the WNBA because the lines are terrible and you know I'm, I'm not willing to potentially go that far but I do think like they're you know, if you're betting the Premier League, it's probably a little bit harder. But if you get, you know, Serie A games, Copa Italia games, maybe La Liga, Bundesliga, um, there there are ways to take advantage of, of different things, especially if you're somebody who's watching games in and out, you know, day in, day out like we are. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. And now I, I, the pandemic definitely didn't help. Being at home all the time, like the games are always on. So I'm like, yeah, you might as well just throw 10 bucks on this game or, you know, I'll throw five bucks on, on Roma to beat so-and-so or whatever, um, just because it's going to be on the background. So that's kind of how I, how I, you know, increase the volume, I should say. Love it. Give us your, give us the can't lose strategy. I mean, forget it. We're going to yeah, cancel okay. the rest of the episode. All I want to hear is, you know, why are it's you here a, with us? What are, how, what are we doing to pick winners? It's not a can't lose strategy, but um, I've been doing this for a while. And I did, I did the betting pod during the world cup with Paul Carr, who's like incredible researcher, true media, ESPN guy, Fox. He does like a bunch of research for all the, all the soccer broadcasting companies. And um, I kind of run this by him and he's like, yeah, like it kind of, it does kind of make sense. And you know, you're going to get burned here and there. It didn't really work during great during the world cup. But it does work great during uh, like club soccer and some tournaments, including like the champions league. But like, I love to do, I'll do the same game parlay stuff. And I know like I've all the people who are sharp to tell you that like parlays and same game parlays are how Vegas makes their money. And they are correct. But that's usually if you combine like multiple games or teams, or you're doing a teaser, like that's how Vegas makes their money. Right. But there, I've kind of like on the margins found found ways to like at least just increase your odds a little bit by having pretty easily attainable. Like if you, for example, if you like Roma to beat um, Spezia the other night, which I think most people did. Um, that was my wanna, game of the year. It was, was it like I minus one twenty. Yeah, we don't yeah. have game of the year, but I mean, it, to me, that was like the best bet. I've yeah, I felt great season. about it. But what I did was I just threw the under four and a half goals right in there as well, total for the game. Roma don't score, and Spezia is probably not scoring either. I think I saw you. You had uh, win to nil, right? Roma win to nil as well, which is plus one twenty. Yeah, clean sheet. Yeah, I, I get a little afraid of the win to nil because I just it's so fluky. It actually really screwed me during the World Cup because there were so many times where like ninety fourth minute goal would just screw it over. So I, I've kind of stayed away from it. But I will take like you know four under four and a half or under five and a half. You know, if it's minus one twenty, that gets you like minus one ten, and then you can throw in like you know, half a card here and there, which gets you closer. I'm just trying to find ways to get closer to even money. And sure, you're going to get burned. Like there's going to be like one out of every like 25, 50 games. There's going to be a game with no card that's going to completely screw you over. But I'll be watching and I'll kind of hedge that if I see this thing going that way. So I, I've been like strategically doing sort of like these little same game parlay. So I did one for Roma Spezia. I had Roma money line under four and a half and under two and a half first half goals. Uh, those are all pretty easily obtainable things. We just think Roma's going to win the game. So yeah. that was plus 107. 
Like that's that's I got plus money for that bet. That's awesome. So you're I'm just trying to find like little ways on the margins to do it. Like for example, this is like a bigger one, but um, this was Man City against Wolves, which I believe was a cup game. I had I had uh, or I'm sorry, no, this was this was in the Premier League. I think it was last week. I had Man City money line, which is you know something outrageous, like minus five hundred something, whatever. I took the under four and a half goals, under three and a half in the first half, under 14 and a half car, uh, corners and over a card or over a half a card. That takes a Man City to win bet, which is like minus 500 to minus 136. And I hit yeah. that bet as well. So like, again, if you're going to get burned because there are going to be times when like, you know, if you say you take the over four and a half corners and there's like three corners in a game, you're completely screwed. Like, all right, you're going to get screwed here and there. But it, but it, it takes it. it I, I kind of think there is like a little bit of a gap between what the books are offering you. And and I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I'm saying this out loud. Maybe they don't really care because I'm not making enough money, but I'm kind of surprised they they let you do that because it does seem very easily obtainable, all these different things. So again, I, I'm not like reinventing the wheel here, but I have had some success with the same game parlays. Yeah. I, what you're describing is a strategy that I kind of do is where you, when you find a game where there's a clear favorite and you know, you're pretty certain that this team is going to win. You try and find the creative ways of like, taking advantage of that so a lot of times what i do is i'll look and see like what's the odds for both or for them to score in both halves or mm-hmm. what are the odds for their team total to be over two and a half and the other team to be under one or something like that and you can usually juice the odds a little bit in your favor to get that minus 300 favorite down to like even money like you said but i will give you like you said you, you will get burned a couple of times i found that when i do those same game parlays more so like in the nfl when you're throwing in like little player props here you're like yeah i'll take Matt Stafford over 25 passing attempts, or I'm going to take Saquon Barkley over 34 and a half rushing yards. It's always like they get that injury or they'll have that like oh, yeah. one series where they have like a potential head injury and then they're out for the next quarter. And then that's where you get screwed. So I guess as long 100%. as you're doing it smartly and you're not doing those player props, like I always got sucked into, then you probably have a better chance, but I do like the, the, the concept the, behind it. The NFL, this is what goes back. We're coming full circle. The NFL, this is what in the NFL, you could do it and I have done it. But it's way, way harder in the NFL because they're just way sharper. Like, for example, I'll, I'll bring one right now. I had which was this? This was the Eagles Giants game. I had the Eagles money line. I had over 35 and a half. I had Jalen Hurts plus 25 rushing yards. Devonta Smith over 25 receiving yards. Saquon Barkley over 25 rushing yards. Okay. All pretty easily attainable things. And I went Daniel Jones over 25 rushing yards. He ended with 24 rushing yards. Yeah, and that's how I got you, man. The only yeah. one I lost. And <laughs> that, that was, but that was plus 137. So you're getting some decent juice yeah. for like some real, the problem is if you stack too many things on top that's of each other, the, one of them is going to fail. I don't yeah. like to do more than four. I like three. If it's four, I'm risky. I don't, I usually don't go over four. So if you're, if you're, especially in the NFL, if you're, if you're, if you're employing the strategy, I would say, keep it to, keep it to three, maybe four. If anything over that, you're probably going to screw yourself. And that's where the DraftKings and the FanDuels of the world are smart when they give you those boosts where it like increases as you add more legs. So like, yeah, if you do like a three leg parlay, we'll give you a 25% boost. Do you go yeah. four? We'll give you a 50. If you go five, that's where you get you that hundred percent boost. And so I'm always up there doing like, all right, I got to find this fifth leg. That's where you start getting desperate. You start looking for like sack totals or, or penalty yards or something like that. And that's usually where I, I end up getting burned. Yeah. But there are, again, it's, NFL, we'll put that aside. Like NFL, it's it's, it's just you're, you're if you're making money in NFL, good for you. There are some ways to do it in soccer. And I, you know, again, I'm, I'm saying I'm not saying I never lose, but like it's it's definitely been it's a good way, as you said. Like if you really like a favorite, you can find a way to get that number better for some pretty easily attainable things. Yeah, so I, I like that because you're finding like those alt totals. Like Roma's never going over four and a half goals in the match, right? Even no. even against no. Milan when it was <laughs> yeah. a high scoring match, it was two two. So you find those little little tips here and there, and you could definitely boost it. So I never even thought about it to to bring the number to where it needs to be, right? Because we always talk about it and it's like, okay, well, the payouts are always a little bit 
worse than true odds, right? If you're stacking three events, it should always be plus money, right? I don't care who the favorites are, right? It should be plus 200, plus 300. Um, the same game parlays don't work that way, but to get a match that you love to even money or better, that's a pretty genius strategy. And I think, I think you're right. With this sport, definitely um, there's more opportunity to safeguard yourself. Yeah. And we're all spoiled, by the way, with mobile betting, because if you try doing this in a book or oh like going to the casinos, like no chance. So like this, this mobile app betting with everything on your phone, it's just like it, it can become, you know, a little too much sometimes. But it's a good point that you bring up, Steve, is like, I know the bookies aren't watching Roma as much as we're watching Roma. I, we, we know Roma's there's not going to be a, four, a five goal Roma game. There just isn't even against Spezia. Like it's just not happening. Um, maybe now that the ball is playing and Johnny will get benched, who knows, maybe I'll have to adjust my strategy, but like, they don't, I don't know that they really adjust their numbers into that. They just, they don't yeah. know. They just think, oh, this is like one of the lower table teams, Roma. All right. Four and a half. There you go. So, uh, again, there, there, there are little margins you can find. So w- while we're quickly on the topic, we, we mentioned Roma, you're also an Everton supporter. Um, huh. you know, not we'll, great. We'll, yeah. we'll get into that a little <laughs> later, but, um, you know, we, we pretty much, those are the two leagues that we live in, right? Serie A and in the Premier League. Um, so we've been off to a pretty good start. Just just wondering if there's any trends you've seen in, in either of those leagues, uh, more so in one than the other, or do you kind of approach them in the same way? Uh, I, I I don't. I mean, I, I, I'm i not one of those like, hey, if, if so-and-so has, has been good to me, I'll ride them. I, I kind of go week to week. I know like I have a buddy who's an Arsenal fan who's just like, basically ridden Arsenal this entire season, and he'll do kind of the same game parlay thing that I talked about a little bit. Um, he watched them week in, week out, knows them well. And he's done obviously very well because they don't lose games basically this season, which who would have saw that coming? Like even the most optimistic of Arsenal fans would have seen that coming. Um, but I'm not I'm not the kind of guy that like, you know, hey, I'll ride so-and-so. Like I'm actually the, like, I think you're, there's two types of personalities, right? There's the person who like if they're at the the um, roulette table and you've got, you know, 100 bucks on black and, you know, blacks come up five times. Oh, uh, it's got, you know, I'm going to ride the wave, right? I'm, I'm the ride the wave guy and I'll bet black again. I'm the opposite. Like I, I zag on just about everything. I'm like, okay, it's got to be red sooner or later. Neither strategy is actually, it, it doesn't matter. It's 50, 50 every time basically. Right guys. So I'm not really like a ride a team kind of guy. I just take it week to week. And I just kind of see, I'm more likely to be like, if some team had a really good week lap the week before, I'm more likely to probably fade them the next week. You're going to win some of that time. You're going to lose some of that time. But that's just kind of like my personality, I guess. No, so I feel like that it's been that way, though, especially in Italy for the past two years. There's no consistency from these teams from week to week. You know, Inter will, will throw up three goals one one game and then lose one nothing the next. Like clockwork. Yeah, I mean, there have been times that I've been burned, too, because I'm not – I don't know if you guys – I'm not afraid to bet against my own teams. Like, I'll, I bet against Roma, Never. for sure. I oh, the emotional hedge. <laughs> yeah, I, I always bet against Everton, like, and I'm, they'd yeah. be very profitable at this point. But, yeah. uh, like, I, I bet against Roma when they beat Inter, you know, because I just didn't think – I, I'm still shocked they won that game, right? Um, so like I, I, I try to take the emotion out of it, and sometimes I'm actually, like, too harsh on my own teams, but I'm never afraid to get, uh, bet against my own team. Yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of the emotional hedge. In fact, here's a little <laughs> – Teaser, I may have that as one of my locks later on this episode. This guy's on like his fourth week in a row of betting against Liverpool. <laughs> it's profitable. I'm aware. I watched I remember the group text, week. Nick. I, I texted Scotty, what was the, was the FA Cup last week? Oh, your boy's going to bounce back. He's like, no, no way in hell. And I didn't take it. And then they ended up winning like 3 nothing. So Cruising. Yeah. Uh, they won. No, no, no. Hold up. They won one nothing off of a 30-yard bomb from Harvey right. okay. Elliott. So don't pretend That's like right. I was That's off right. base on that. <laughs> oh, man. So... Let's get into the big game. Coach, you want to take us through it, Roma Napoli? 
Sure. Yeah, I mean, we have two Roma fans today, so you're outnumbered, Nick, just in spite of your, your victory okay. today. But um, so just get Steve's take on Roma, too. You know, you guys get to hear mine pretty much every week. So, you know, Juve's past transgressions now coming back to haunt them. As of now, it's a 15-point deduction, so they're way down in 10th place. Roma technically sitting joint third with Lazio and Inter behind on goal differential because, like we said, Roma doesn't score much, so they're going to have to, you know, either win out on points or start scoring more goals to, to win a tiebreaker. But right now, looking pretty solid for a Champions League spot if they can keep up the good form they started in 2023. So what's your current level of confidence, Steve, in Roma finishing in the top four, considering kind of the mess the Milan clubs are in right now and Adelanta's there and Lazio's there, and it's kind of five for three spots, really? If you had told me before the Juve news, I would have said, I don't think Roma finished top four. I just I don't, I just think it's not doable. I think too many teams ahead of them. They're too inconsistent. You take one of those teams out, and then given what's happened really today uh, and yesterday with, with both Milan teams, as, as you guys talked about, they just don't look good. They don't look consistent. I, you know, Pioli's changed the system up for Milan uh, and they still look like trash. I, Inter are just so up and down. I still think they have like the top end, probably like their potential is probably higher. If, if they were, they would be the team. Like if they miss it on top four, like that's just, that's terrible. Like they are to me clearly a top four team. Um, I think Milan are, probably at the lower end of that, like three or four. I think Lazio, Roma, Atalanta. I, I mean, I, I wrote off Atalanta this year, and I, I just stupid to do that every single year. Like, it doesn't matter. Adamo Lookland's a guy who I watched at Everton. He was really good, came on, um, looked awesome, had some kind of like attitude issues, though, and then ended up getting sent to Germany, and it didn't really work there with Leipzig. And usually if it doesn't work for one of those RB clubs, like your career is kind of like, it's like, this guy's not great. Goes to Atlanta and they could just fix anybody. He's great. And he has the talent. So I've been really impressed by them. They they honestly just scare me because Roma should have beaten them earlier the season. They yeah. didn't. Um, Roma shouldn't have lost to Lazio in the derby in the first derby and they did. Yeah. So they've like dropped some stupid points here on out. Um, but I am confident. I, I really am. Like, I, I don't know how it's going to, I mean, I don't know how the season's going to end with Milan. Like, I think they're kind of the wild card. Like, if they really start to nosedive, I think it can get bad. And I think it could they could potentially, like, finish sixth. And I, I don't think that's that ridiculous. Um, or if they turn it around, I think it's going to be a hard time for, for, for Roma to probably do that. So if I had, if you had to ask me right now, obviously, Napoli's a lock. I think Inter will still figure it out. And then I, I, I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Milan that they'll figure it out. So it's really three teams for one spot. And I'd probably split it up three ways, guys. Like, I don't, I don't really have... I, I, you know, if you're doing like the, the the pie situation, maybe I'll give Roma 34% and the other two teams 33%. I don't know. Yeah, you mentioned those those two losses were really tough this year, right? They, they've only lost like three or four matches, and one was to Napoli, one nothing, and and that's Oshiman you know goal. league leaders, yeah. and, and it was a, a really good goal from Osiman. But the other two, they should have beaten Atalanta, should have beaten Lazio, did not take care of business. Then you look on the flip I'll, side. To be fair, they, I don't think they should have beaten Lazio. That that should have been a draw. That was a draw. That game yeah. was a nil nil draw, and it was so I'll, I'll I'll give it a draw. They definitely should have beaten Atalanta though. More, more on paper, I guess, because Cheeto was out. I think Milinkovic mm. Savage was out. So it was like I'm going into that derby, you never felt more confident about a derby. Yeah. And then, of course, that happens. But on the flip side, they went to the San Siro, took three points off Inter, took a point off of Milan, and then took a point off Juve early in the season at the Allianz, another match that they, they probably should have won based on Juve's Definitely, form at yeah. the time, right? So they've kind of been up and down. And now they go to Naples on Sunday, which is why we have you on to talk that match. But then after that, I mean, it's the, the Copa Italia quarterfinals against Cremonese because uh, Napoli joke. Let's go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's a path there maybe to a, a, another trophy for Mourinho because, you know, he's all about the trophies. But then it's home for Empoli, away to Lecce. You have the two matches against Salzburg mixed in with uh, a home match against Verona and a road match against Cremonese. So I'm looking at that. Anything in Naples to me is, is a bonus, whether it's a point or yep. three, if, if somehow you can manage that. 
But Empoli, Lecce, Verona, and Cremonese, if you can take 12 points of that, you can, you put yourself in a really solid position before you play Juve and some of these other teams uh, come March. And that's the thing. is like past Roma teams, it was like what? They beat the teams they're supposed to beat, but they couldn't do anything <laughs> yeah. against the top six, right? Against, you know, they were terrible before Jose got there um, when uh, when Fonseca was the manager. And I liked him, but like that just, you just can't, you got you to gotta show up in big games. Um, and so... For the most part, Roma have still kind of done that. They've taken care of business. They beat most of the teams they should, and they certainly have in 2023. I mean, coming out of the World Cup, you know, they've, they've only dropped points to, to to Milan when they came back and with a 2-2 draw. So I look at the Napoli match, and I, I don't really expect anything from it. If we got a point, yeah. I'd be – I would take – I'd snatch your hand off right now for a point. Um, I think they'll do probably almost exactly what they did in the first matchup. They're going to sit back. They're going to try not to give up a goal and just try to stay in as long as possible. I just think it's going to be harder to do that twice. Napoli are in great form. I'm not saying they're mad about the Copa Italia knockout still, but it did certainly help Roma. And, you know, Roma probably should be in the Copa Italia final. Like, that. It's I mean, it, yeah, they'll, they'll screw it up because lose. it's Roma, and that's what they do. But, like, that, you know, that they should do that. So I'll, I'll take that. Um, and I'm just not expecting much from this. This Napoli team is awesome. They're fine. Or else they just murdered uh, Juve. They just they also show up against the big teams. Like, they, they really, really – like, none of those guys are scared. Um, I, I see it 2-0 probably. I still think – I think there is some value in the under there because I don't think – again, Roma, I don't think – Roma probably don't score even though their offense has been a little bit better in the last couple of weeks and Tammy sort of come on a little bit more. But I just think Napoli is a totally different beast. And the way that they show up in big games, I just I don't have a ton of confidence. I certainly don't have any confidence in winning it. I Again, I snapped your hand off for a point. Yeah, I think if they're going to nick a point, it's going to be a 0-0-1-1 type match yep. if, if, if you're getting something out of it. They'll get a set-piece um, goal and somehow it'll yeah. be 1-1 exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say, I, I agree with Steve. I think they're going to do the same. They're going to sit back the first match. They couldn't do anything on the counterattack, which killed them. They, they defended like, like hell, right. They gave up a, a really good goal to Osiman. And I think they're going to try to do the same, but I don't know how long you could do that again for 90 minutes against Napoli this time at the San Paolo. And they're going to have to be much, much better on the counterattack. As Zaniolo is one of those guys who on the counterattack can, can sometimes open things up and then makes poor decisions <laughs> at the end. Right. So you lose his pace, but I wonder how they approach it. Do you play Pellegrini behind Ibala and Abraham to try to spring counterattacks? Is it El Shirari getting a look? I'm, I'm curious to see where they, or is it like a, is there like a wild card move, like a, a Solbakken or somebody like that all of a sudden gets gets a look because maybe he can counter. I, I'm curious to see what Mourinho does there and in the midfield because like Steve mentioned earlier, Napoli's midfield when he was talking to us is just doing so well right now. And and how does Roma combat that is, is really going to be interesting, I think. Who do you think starts in the midfield? Just out of curiosity. Is it Matic and Cristante? <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling it's going to be, and that worries me. Jose loves those two guys. That's two he yellow loves cards it. right there. I yeah. Love it. Well, Cristante, if he gets a yellow card, will be out next match against uh, whoever it is. Uh, we'll uh, take that. Yeah, we'll take yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I know I'm not Sonic a Cristante hater, though. I'm not. I'm not a Cristante hater. Yeah, I'm not either. I just think the two of them is redundant and playing against Napoli's midfield is going to be a problem. And then Selleck got suspended with a late card against yeah, uh, brutal. In, the, in the last match. So now it's like Karsdorp's off the team. So you're probably playing Zalewski on the right and Spinazzola on the left, who both can push the, the counterattack, but um, a little bit of a change of, of things for Zalewski, which is a little worrisome on uh, defensively. Yeah, I think uh, I wonder if like he, because those two guys are playing and they've got pace and they can get out and break you know on the, on the counter that maybe he like adjusts the system a little bit. Maybe he does play Pellegrini as one of like the yeah. attacking midfielders with DiBala, and he doesn't have a ton of pace, but like maybe he has gives him a little bit more of just defensive responsibility. Um, I think if you play, I mean, El Shirawe was really good against Betsia. Mm -hmm. I just I worry about. I just him. He's just terrible defensively. He just I know and he he works hard when he plays out yeah. on the on the on the left like wing back role, but he's just not a defensive player. He isn't. 
Um, I love him in the attacking phase. I think he and, you know, against certain, some of those smaller sides like Spezia, like he should be playing with Dybala. Those guys have great chemistry. Obviously you saw it against Spezia. Um, I just, I were, I don't think I probably wouldn't play him up front in, in this game against Napoli. I'd probably trust Pellegrini and give him a little more defensive responsibility. Yeah. Almost play like a three man midfield and let those wingers do more of the running with, with yeah. two forwards probably. And you're probably going to need Dybala magic again with like, like it's been really since uh, That's he's fine. been back. He yeah. showed up. He really has, man. He is, I, he's everything that we could have asked for when we, you know, when we bought him in the summer. So this would be a great game for Ronaldo if he hadn't broken his leg in like, know, what, man. the first week. How yeah. long is he, is he, is he close? I mean, he's I don't mean to demand a broken leg, but it's been months, right? Said early, I think they said February. I think they said early February yeah. is okay. when uh, they're targeting the back. So, and they'll need him because they've got a ton of games then, but like who knows yeah. what kind of fitness he's in. Yeah, that was a massive loss because he he's kind of exactly what they if you know if they weren't going to get for Tazy, which it sounds like they'll probably get him in the summer, which he's really the exact guy that Roman needs. He just they need somebody mm-hmm. to connect in midfield in the attack, and that's the guy. Uh, when all of them was supposed to be that, he's also kind of like a workhorse. He has something to prove to. That was a, I mean, that was an absolutely br- it was just it was just a brutal injury. It was the yeah. it was it was. The, I mean, they they specifically went out and got this is the one guy we need. We'll get him on loan. We'll figure out how to make the wages work, and then you know what was it? Uh, uh, was it? Uh, who like 13 it, minutes and then a Felix Felix Fenejan. Yeah, Fenejan. But Fenejan paid him back with the goal yeah, for listen, Yeah, I cannot I will not hate on him. He's uh, he's he's a he's a Roman he's a Roman true uh, through and through, but man, yeah, that that yeah, I guess he injured him in practice and that was a uh, kind of a done deal and I don't want to say yeah. it ruined the season, but it really did kind of throw their entire midfield out of whack. Yeah, so so going back to the offense, you know, not just in this match, but in general, Roma 25 goals scored, which as Scotty put in the question is behind stalwarts like Monza and Salernitana and their and their yep. attacking prowess. Um, considering, you know, Tammy, I thought look has been looking better. He looked confident in finishing that goal on Sunday. Um, you know, are you concerned about the the goal scoring that right now Chris Smalling is still third on the team, or do you think kind of we're starting to figure it out a bit? I, I, yeah, that is like if you were to told me at this point in the season that Smalling was the third highest goal scorer, I'd be like, yeah, it was a disaster. Um, but I think again, I think the Zaniolo thing is is addition by subtraction. I would not have sold them in the summer, uh, and I was wrong. I would have sold them I, in hindsight. They should have sold them in the summer. They just should have done it. Um, you know, I don't know who you bring in. You probably bring in Fortesi if that does happen. But you still need another attacking player. I think. I don't love the some of the rumors that have been flying around about like Dale Feu, who I who I did like at Everton, but I. I I think Hakeem Ziyech is another guy. He's been rumored to come to Roma for, you know, what feels like a decade yeah, now. Forever. Um, him and Nacho. <laughs> I like him. Yeah, Nacho back in the rumor mill again. I like I like Ziyech, but he's, he's going to be 30 soon. Like, is that really what you want to spend your money on right now? I don't think we should be buying this many old players. Just, it's just not what I would do. So, uh, but I, I, do, I do think the Zaniolo being out is sort of an addition by subtraction. They are just better. They're more fluid in attack. I think Tammy looks better. Um, the link-up play is certainly better. Uh, and I think, you know, like, I, I understand, like, if you watch a lot of U.S. men's national team games, I'll explain this to my friends um, because they 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 are like, what happened to Zaniolo? He was supposed to be like the next big thing, world class player, and all of a sudden, I know the injuries happened, but like, and I'm trying to explain to him, it's not really physically because physically he's fine. He's he's actually in incredible yeah. physical shape. He is a specimen, but his his brain and his feet just like yeah. do not understand how to be in sync with each other. He never makes the right decision. He's constantly trying to put the team on his back. And I was like, it's kind of like sometimes I think Christian Pulisic does this with the U.S. where instead of just making like a simple forward pass he'll just try to carry the ball for like 20, 30 yards. And it's like, dude, you're, you're slowing everything else down. And I, I, I think he, he comes out and he thinks he has a point to prove. He's trying to make sure everybody knows that he's still like this, you know, the, the jewel of Italian soccer, but he just isn't anymore. And I, unfortunately, I think he just has to go somewhere else to save his own career. Cause it's just never going to, I just don't think it's ever going to yeah. work at Rome again. Not even because of the fan thing, not even because of him bailing and all the stuff that Jose said, but I think he needs a fresh start somewhere else, probably outside of Italy. Cause I do think, 
because I've, I've I've made this I think analogy before I think on the pod about the Shaq thing where he just Daniela gets destroyed by defenders and the the referees never call it and I do think he dives a lot he does but he also does get absolutely yeah. hacked down all the time and it's just it's just unfair so I I you know if you were to say you know he'd go to Tottenham and work with Antonio Conte or potentially go to Newcastle and work with Eddie Howe. I think that honestly is something that could save his career because I think right now in Roma, like the environment is just too hostile and the team plays better without him. So I'm, I'm kind of happy that he's going to have the spell on the bench because I think what you saw, you know, between Dybala and, uh, and El Shirawe and obviously Tammy, and then you get Pellegrini in the mix. That's, that's a good enough attack for me to potentially finish top four. Um, so I, I would ride with that. And I think they have a, certainly a better chance at beating Napoli or at least getting a point from uh, the Napoli game without Daniela. Yeah, I, I agree 100% on your points about the diving and the foul. I think it goes both ways. And I think part of the reason he dives so much is because he gets knocked around so much trying to draw calls. But you're right. It's it's the mental aspect of the game that gets so frustrating with him because he has all the tools, right? He's got that strong left-footed shot. We've seen him score big goals. We've seen him make great plays on the dribble. and then But then there's times where he dribbles in too long into trouble. And on the counterattack, he should be such an asset, but he never releases the ball at the right time. Mm-hmm. And and. That's why, like matches like that first Napoli match, they don't they don't come off with anything that looks dangerous in the counter because they just dribble into corners and and whatever else. And I, I think he does need a fresh start. And I think I've been one of his big supporters for a long time. Nick can tell you, like I've I've been hoping that he would come come good for a long time. But now you're looking like if they sold him, you know, a couple of years ago, which you were never going to do unless you're getting like 70, 80 million. Now they're talking about 35, 40, which is like 20, yeah, you got to take it and. And pay for pay for Fratesi with it, right? Because Fratesi is more of what they need at this point than him. I, I still hope for the best, especially as an Italy fan. Like you still hope he comes good in some way, shape, or form and doesn't go like the Balotelli route because there is tons of talent there. But I, I just don't know mentally what it's going to take for him to to, to flip that switch because he's going to 24 now. He's not that young anymore. He's like six years into his career. Yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned – uh, you know, the, what is it? The 25 million rumor to, to Milan. <laughs> I, I would do that tomorrow. I don't think Milan have the money because I, I don't think they do either. I think those Milan rumors are so bogus. They're going to try to get some cheap loan deal. And like, yeah. that does Roma no good at this point. No. Yeah. It seems like everything is, you know, $5 million loan with a, with a whatever option to buy or option or. If they make the Champions buy. League or whatever yeah. stipulations yeah. that they throw in there. But, you know, I think if, I think if you put Zaniolo on, who knows? I mean, Milan have been playing poorly, obviously, as we've talked about. So maybe he does, spark something in them but i don't think he makes them better i really don't i think again i say i think he needs to leave italy i think he would actually do better in the premier league because if it's more physical and i think you're kind of allowed to be a little bit more of a beast and get you know knock some people around um and i think he would get some of the calls and i just don't know like how if you go to tottenham for example like they've already got a million attackers so that that can't happen they just they just got uh, danjuma from villarreal on loan like they already have a million forwards i don't know where he'd play um leads i guess are apparently in the running all right maybe you know maybe he could play there the, the weird thing with, about wait, wait, that's another team with a million mediocre attackers though yeah no he probably would play there and then i think the rumor from newcastle was like five million loan and then a 30 million dollar obligation if he played like 75 percent of the yeah. games and you're like as soon as he if it works out you know they're you know obviously they'll play him if it doesn't they're just gonna sit him on the bench and you're gonna have him yeah. back in the summer it doesn't work yeah. to help, help anybody but uh he's not I don't got a year left on his deal after that yeah, I just don't. I just don't know what his. I've, I've heard a few people talk about this. I just don't know what the the timing of this is. So stupid. It's so stupid yeah. because he has screwed not only the team but he screwed himself. There, where mm-hmm. are your offers? Like his agent clearly is just completely misinformed because there's there just aren't any options for him. So Jose, I think it's like cool. You can sit on the bench. I don't really care. Yeah, I, I think Vigarelli really screwed him. I, he's getting some bad advice. I think they're like 
that's something you have to inform Tiago Pinto and like over the World Cup break, so he can start putting out feelers before the market even opens. If you if you're really serious about going, yeah, yeah. And I think so. Let I me think, ask you guys a question. Oh, sorry, Scott. Go ahead. I was gonna say I think he'll benefit too, just from a, a different manager because as good as Mourinho's been in throughout his career, he's never been known to nurture young talent. I mean, if you look at either of his stints in Chelsea, United, et cetera, like he's not the guy that's going to be bringing in those like young stars and having patience and letting them kind of emerge. He always goes for like the proven veteran that he knows he can trust and we'll, we'll play that guy over, you know, the, the emerging star, you know, nine times out of 10. So I think he's definitely one of those guys that if he finds the right manager, it could definitely turn his career around. The weird thing though about that is you are correct, but at Roma, it's been almost the yeah. exact opposite. Like Roma, like Jose has had his back from day one and every game, yeah and and i mean honestly i i think it's i think it was a good thing for jose that he was forced to, to not play him because he like i i he was almost too loyal to zaniolo and i know because zaniolo i'll give him credit he works his ass off he hustles like none of the physical stuff like he does all that stuff like he'll track back um you know he's a hard-working player so you, you have to give him credit there but just any of the footballing iq is just not there it's just not there at all and uh and, and jose has i mean he, he has given some, and he has no other options because Roman don't have any money, yeah. but he's, he has given some of these young guys, uh, some, some leashes and no one's had a longer lease than Don Yolo. So it's honestly for, for Jose's good. It's probably that he's, he's potentially on the, on the transfer block. So a question for you guys, we, talking about him potentially leaving, um, it, that I've heard of Roma hasn't talked about really bringing anybody in. I know my club hasn't talked about bringing anybody in Milan inter. I, I, do you think teams are, this is like the, driest Mercato I've ever seen in January. Do you think teams are kind of like scared off by what's going on with Juve and they don't want to make a, a deal and put numbers down on the balance sheet? Or I mean, what the hell do you think it is? Obviously, you know, the fact that we can't compete with the Premier League and I think their wages <laughs> and their spending, but there's something else going on because I don't even, off the top of my head, I can't think of one player who's changed teams yeah. in Italy right now. I'll, I'll let you guys go, but I, I, I think it's, I think it's just finance. I just don't think they have any money. I don't think any of these teams have any money. Um, I think the Premier League is just sucking all the life out of the rest of the European leagues. And, you know, I think it was like Chelsea has spent like, what, five times more than all the other four leagues combined in January. Yeah. I, they, I just don't, I think that the effects of COVID are like really kind of coming to roost here. And yeah. I just don't think, I don't think they have any money. I really don't. I agree. I think, I think it's, they don't have the money. I think it's all around Europe. Like you said, uh, La Liga, Bundesliga, I, there was a graphic I saw recently where it was like, 95% of the money spent has been premier league so far and these teams can't compete. And I, I don't, yeah, if you're going to make a move, who are you going to make a move? We're going to make a loan move for some, some nobody. Right. I mean, it, it's, and, and when, and the January market, at least from a Rome perspective is usually pretty dry. I mean, mm -hmm. Serge Oliveira ended up being actually a pretty good loan signing last year to help them win the conference league. But it's usually <laughs> Steve, Steve can probably recall some of the names that we've seen come in <laughs> in January have been scary. And, and I, think, I think we got, we got nine goal in, I think, uh, Oh, like the one long, yeah. long time ago yeah. but that's a, yeah usually it is just you know a random loan here of a guy that plays like one or once or twice the entire season yeah i think the january market's usually like it's it's more of like a knee-jerk reaction to like oh our squad really needs this either it's injury crisis or um, a team that just needs something to push them over the threshold for title top four or whatever um, but with the world cup this year i feel like you know not having clubs playing in december that window for creating the knee-jerk reactions hasn't really occurred it started to occur you know in the last week or so and now it's you know almost like a rushed uh, time to try and find some some open teams that are you know ready to sell players uh, i think a lot of the teams are probably just okay to hold on to their guys unless like a godfather offer comes in yeah 
usually you're taking somebody else's problem. That's yeah. usually what ends up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's taking Zaniola, taking Robo's <laughs> yeah, problem. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the attack. You mentioned earlier that the defense for Romo's been good. Is just is this just like the Jose Mourinho fact, his style of play pretty much? Is that what you bring it up, you know? Yeah, to? I, I think so. You know, I think they're, I, they're sort of forced to play this way because Smalling is, you know, kind of not a, not great anymore in a back two. I don't know that I would trust Ibanez in a back two either, maybe even Mancini, I guess. So you're kind of forced to, to do what they're doing now. Um, but I do think, like, I think Mancini's been great. I think he's been fantastic. Yeah. I think he's taken a huge leap. Ibanez, other than, you know, like obviously the mistake against Lazio has been really good too, although he had some mistakes in the in the Milan game too. But I think he's I think he's good. I just think he's kind of like error prone. That's always going to be his thing. Like he would if he was if he didn't have that error kind of like prone streak in his game, he probably wouldn't be playing at Rome anymore because he's that talented. Um, I know people are comparing him to like Marquinhos when he was coming up, and he does have a lot of the skill on the ball. He's like a midfielder when he was kind of in, in the youth ranks. He's super skilled. I just don't know that I trust any of them in a two. Um, so they kind of have to play this back three system. I think even with it's not even it, it extends beyond the center backs too because I, like Spinazzola probably can't play like a, a pure left back. Zaleski is not a pure left back. Um, yeah. Karsdorp certainly wasn't wasn't a pure right back. Selick is a pure right back. I mean he's probably not a great you know he, he's not great going forward. He's okay going forward. He's more of a defensive sort of like solid guy. So I, I don't know if there's like a transition in the future to to a back two, especially if they if they lose Smalling. But um, you know before they. Before the new year and this sort of run of games, where it seems like the offense has been picking up, I was just like, why not try it? Like the the four two three one, why not try four at the back? You know, like sure, you're not giving up goals, but you're also not scoring any anyway. So like, it's, you got to shake yeah. something up. But now, I don't. Know, I think they kind of found something with you know, again dropping Zaniolo and the defense. To me, like I I wouldn't fix what's not broken. They've been impressive. I'm not saying like individually they're all awesome, but collectively, I think they play well. And you know, I don't think Patricio has been particularly great either, but he's been okay. So. You know, all in all, I think it's more about the Jose Mourinho pragmatic style than it is about individual talent, but we'll take it for now. Yeah, definitely. When you see the way they approach these big games, you, you kind of see that Mourinho stamp and, and the pragmatism for sure. So looking across the pitch on Sunday, Napoli cruising at the top of the league, now 12 points up with, with Milan's loss. So double digits ahead of everybody. What's impressed you the most about them? And is there any way in hell they, they cough this up or even make it, you know, a race at the end? I think, I think if, I think, Lazio winning today uh, basically killed Milan's title chances. I, I, I don't think anybody else could really. I, if you, you could have made. I could have. You could have convinced me that Juve could have potentially gotten back in it just because of their bullshit and the history and what they do and all that stuff and the referees. Like you could have convinced me. It now, I don't think any of these teams are well put together enough. It, it would t- for it would take a massive Napoli collapse than it would one of these other teams like really playing well the rest of the way out. So. I mean, who knows? Any, not, you know, nothing's impossible. But uh, I, I really, I would be, you know, I'd be absolutely stunned if Napoli didn't win the league. And I, honestly, they, they deserve it. I, I'd be happy for them because their team is awesome. Uh, so you mentioned Juve before they played each other, and obviously before this fifteen-point deduction, I put a future <laughs> yeah. on Juve. They were plus a thousand yeah. to win the league because I said, hey, if anybody's going to do it, it's them, right? They're coming off of an eight-game win streak, uh, yep. whatever it was, and you know, now I could light that on fire. So it's been fun. So yeah, we did say before that match. And we said before that match, if Juve found a way to win, that it would be back on, and then they they got destroyed, and then obviously the point deduction kills it completely. Um, but just the updated odds after today: Napoli minus eight hundred, Inter plus twelve hundred, Milan plus sixteen hundred, Roma, Atalanta, Lazio all plus sixty five hundred. Um, interesting. There's such a big gap, I think, between those three and Inter, considering about the same amount of points. But I guess that just speaks to the roster and yeah. what's expected of those teams. 
Yeah, I wish like this is one of the things where like, I wish I could short a team because I would I would short both of the Milan teams for sure. Um, more than I would like bet anyone to potentially like yeah. I, I mean, that. This is this is more like top four odds. Like I think, and I'm sure you can get that out at some sports books. I'm not like a big big futures guy. I don't know if you guys see any value in it. I don't. I don't. I, even at you know sixteen hundred or twelve hundred for the Milan teams, I, I don't. I just don't think it. I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's gonna happen. No. So I don't know if you guys see any value in it. Yeah, no, we do have a good future out. We uh, there was a weird one on DraftKings where it was like the, to finish at the top of the table, excluding Liverpool and Manchester City and Newcastle were like plus forty five hundred or something to that extent. So we we dropped a little on that. We were close. Arsenal kind of ruining that one right now, but yeah, that's not great. That's we not were great. right there. <laughs> I love. Stuff we like we that, also yeah. took them to finish top four though, so that that's okay. Yeah. Um, okay, that was decent standing. I, I, that was I plus six hundred. Yeah, they were like plus six hundred. Yeah, that's that's that's. So bad. my, uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Steve. My view on futures is you're not going to tie up money long term unless it's plus five hundred or better, and it needs to be pretty damn realistic at that. Um, so, I mean, in this case, if I really believed in any of these teams, I think the numbers are good. But um, man, twelve points when everybody yeah. has to play each other, that seems like a lot to overcome. Yeah, I'd be interested to know what the top four odds though are. I, I'd imagine, um, you know, I, I I have a feeling Atalanta are probably the worst out of the out of the the five teams, right? I if that price is, I don't know what the price is off the top of my head, but I, I'd be interested to know what that is because they'd be the team that I probably That'd think is the probably most. They're probably the one that I think there's the most value in, yeah, because nobody definitely would be there. Yeah, so just to close on Sunday, the, these are the the numbers coming from the books right now. Napoli money line minus 150, Roma plus 370, a draw t- plus 260. Uh, the over is over two and a half minus 110, and the under is minus 115. So anything there that jumps out at you? And and what does Roma have to do to get any kind of result to make like a draw no bet or, you know, a double chance at, at all worth, you know, playing? Yeah, I think I, I kind of like the under two and a half because, um, again, I could see Roma just just absolutely frustrating the hell out of Napoli. They'll still score, but like one nil, two nil, and maybe worst case scenario is like one one for them. And Roma nip a, a like I said as like a goal on a set piece. I think Roma are going to struggle to score. Like Roma just struggled to score. Period. And I'm still I'm not like fully convinced that because they scored two against Spezia or they've scored you know two against Milan that like all of a sudden like the the attack is clicking again. Uh, Napoli are a whole different beast. It's in Naples. I, who knows? Crazier things have happened. Um, you know, I, I I do. It is interesting that minus one fifty for the Napoli money line almost makes me like more confident in Roma. I, I I think it should be bigger than that. So maybe there is some value on like the draw or the double chance for for uh, for Roma. Um, and may, maybe what you could do is you could say, hey, if I really think if I like Roma's chances, take them on the double chance and like under three and a half goals or something like yeah. that. That's that'll probably get you pretty good value if you like Roma in this match. But um, I don't know. Do, do any of you guys like the one fifty for? The minus 150 for Napoli. I mean, I, I do think they're going to win. That's, I, I almost feel like it should be higher than that. So here's where I go, and I can say I'm going to get creative here. If I'm taking Napoli minus 150, I think I'd rather take the over one and a half team total goals, which is minus 125. And parlay think, it with the with the 150? I would just, yeah. I don't even need to parlay with 150. I would just take it straight up. Because that yeah. way, even if like Roma come out and somehow manage to, to put up a couple against Napoli, you still get that out. And I yeah, would take that over, over a minus 150. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there, Scotty. I think I, so. Any anytime there's a big game like this, just if we take all the other bullshit aside, I, I always think that winning team needs two goals. Like I just have that in my head, right? Like it's going to take two uh, from some team. I'm shocked that these this number is that big. I mean, I think Roma's even um, more of an underdog than Juve, right? A couple weeks ago, Juve was like plus three hundred. 
and Napoli was. I think they were minus, 300, yeah. And but Napoli wasn't minus 150. They were like minus money. 110 or even right, money, yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. So I'm a little shocked. Um, I mean, I think Napoli win the game. I, I really do. I just don't know that I would lay the 150. I'm, I'm torn. I know what Nick's gonna do. I'm gonna put my 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 crystal ball here. I, Nick, you're gonna wait until about the 30 to 40 minute mark, and you're gonna see that Napoli money line drop down to like even money live, and then you're gonna cash <laughs> it. Yeah. When yeah, Rose holds out for like 60 minutes and then Oseman kills him. I know. was going to say, did you do that in the first game? Because that probably would work out quite well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I have a hard time separating heart and head sometimes. So I, I tend not to to like bet against them with like on a Napoli minus 150. If, if I'm watching live maybe and Napoli's really taking it to them and it's zero zero, like Scotty said, by halftime, then maybe you take a shot at it. But I have a I harder will, time separating. I will say one of my favorite bets was uh, Zaniolo to get a card. Uh, so I, that is, that <laughs> oh, is the yeah. That is the one thing that I am sad about Saniola not being in, in the lineup because that dude was like a guarantee a card every other game. Mancini's kind of the way, although Mancini's been better about it this he's, season. He's cleaned it up a bit. Uh, but like if you you want to dabble in that market, Saniola to get a card, I'm, I'm very that's the one thing I'm sad about of him not being in the lineup. Yeah, Roma almost is like some of these matches like this, they're almost a guarantee like over three and a half cards because Mourinho oh, will yeah. get one for arguing and then Mancini yeah. and Chris Dante will get one and Daniela was always good for one, but he's not there anymore. So yeah, uh, yeah even yeah. Ibanez is liable in a match like this. I feel like definitely. So definitely. so sorry, guys. Just to go back quickly, Atalanta to finish top four is plus two twenty five. So it's it's uh, not as attractive as I would have imagined. Yeah, I figured it'd be a little higher than that. But what what are the other ones? Just out of curiosity, Lazio is twenty to twenty one, whatever the hell that means, and Roma's eight to eleven. Yeah, so they're both favorites. Okay. Yeah, I don't don't love any of those. If you guys are happy with all things Roman Napoli, we can kind of shift gears into England. Um, so obviously the big matchup this weekend is the FA Cup matchup between Arsenal and Man City, the two top dogs in England right now, facing off for the first time um, all season long, albeit this time it's in the FA Cup. Uh, we have Man City money line is minus 160, Arsenal plus 320, uh, and uh, the draw is plus 300. Do you believe that this number is, should be this high for Arsenal at plus 320? I mean, they're the league leaders right now. They've outplayed Man City for the better part of 20 games. Are you looking at this number as like, this is almost too good to be true? Or do you think this is kind of a trap line and, and the books know what they're doing on this one? I think it's the latter. <laughs> I, I, I I love Man City in this. Because I, cause I, I think if you're Arsenal... I don't even know if who I play in this game. Like who yeah. cares? I'm, yeah, I'm going for the league. Like, I don't care. The F, you, we've won the FA Cup many times. Like we, it's honestly like banter when Arsenal do win the FA Cup because it's not even like That's a, a great win point. For them anymore. So <laughs> if I'm Arteta, I don't know what he, I don't even know what how many starters I play in this game. So for me, like maybe there is some value right now um, in knowing that potentially Arsenal could play their their A lineup and. You're getting Man City at minus 160, but I I really like Man City. This is one of those things where maybe you take like Man City and their team total goals or something like that over one and a half, um, or like the under five and a half goals in total in the match or something like that to get that a little bit closer as we were talking about at the start to even money. But I I love Man City in this match because I just think like this is one of those ones where Pep's like, hey, I want to like prove a point and I still also want to win a trophy if I'm not going to win the Premier League. Obviously, they want to win the Champions League. They have bigger fish to fry, but this to me is like almost like a punt situation. I'd be fearful that Arsenal are going to punt this game. Yeah, I agree with that, um, especially because Arsenal already lost Jesus and that he was such a big part of that team for the first 15 matches or so, and they can't really risk losing like Asako or even Nkaita, who's been playing really well in recent yeah. weeks. So to me, I think 
you'll probably see Arsenal approach this and maybe use this as like a game to like get Trossard, you know, bedded into the the lineup, get him a little bit used to to how Arsenal set up and, you know, maybe get some of the young kids some, some exposure. I don't think it's going to be a full punt, but you know, if they put out a 60% roster and then see how the game goes, uh, maybe they bring in some of the big name guys if it's still close, but yeah, I agree. It's, it seems to me that this is one where Arsenal are just happy to kind of keep going after the title because winning that, winning that, winning a title this year, and having it be around the super young core is probably enough to really turn this whole fan base around on, on ownership. And, and really, I mean, we were talking about it, I think like an episode or two ago, like Arteta was on hot water for the first, you know, six months of last season. And it really wasn't until their late run that people kind of bought into him. So uh, I think it'll be a huge statement for them and a really big building block for the, probably the next five, six years for, for this club. I genuinely cannot believe Arsenal are this good. Like I, I, it's, it is. I, could, <laughs> I, I saw it coming. I mean, I was on it this time last year. We, we had a bet because I think it was, it was Tottenham and Arsenal were competing for that fourth spot and, and coach was super high on Tottenham because coach loves Conte. And I thought looking at the young core that Arsenal had, I was like, no, nah, this feels like it could be something like when you're looking at Martinelli and, and Saka and Odegaard and Smith Rowe, who really hasn't played much this season. It's like, this seems like a team that's coming together at the right time. And it's, you know, being in watching so many American sports, we talk about championship windows a lot. And like, this seems like almost like a championship window for Arsenal where they have this really young core that's all really talented and they're going to develop for the next four or five years. And as long as they can keep that core together, that there's no reason that they can't win a few trophies over the next you know, five years. I'll, I'll so. give you that. Uh, but it's just, the, the, they have 50 points at the halfway mark. I mean, yeah. they're on pace for 100 points. Like, like all right, so if you were to say, hey, they're going to be a, a solid top four team, I would have taken that. I'm, I'm mostly just yeah. talking about like how, I mean, they can go, what, eight up, I think, yeah. uh, with the game in hand over Manchester City. And like, man, the thing with Manchester City is like, it's we, and you can say this about them like in a lot of years, but they really do feel like a team in transition this year where there's some guys that are new. Like, obviously, Haaland is just scoring at a, an absurd yeah. pace. Like, I think it would be hilarious if Haaland like scored 50 goals and they didn't win the league. Uh, but then they have, I don't know, like some of their other players and their half their squad kind of seems like pretty lethargic. Like they've obviously won pretty much everything you can win domestically. Um, and I, I, you know, I, so I understand like it, it is like a weird squad in transition. I think you heard Pep, what was it after the Tottenham match, like really kind of open up about how, you know, the players need to buy in more and try harder. And like the effort's not there and we have to, you know, we want our fans to show up and like really cheer, like almost like this isn't an exercise guys. Like we're trying to win this again. And they've won so much that it's almost bored. It's boring to not only the fans, but it's boring to the players at this point. So I do think Arsenal have kind of caught City in this weird moment where they are vulnerable. But I'm just so shocked that, they, I mean, they again, they're on pace for a 100-point season. Yeah. That is that is absolutely insane to me. I think the most optimistic of Arsenal fans would have just been like, I'll, I'll, I'll take fourth place like tomorrow. You know, I think they were happy just being in first at, you know, the World Cup break. Yeah. Would have been, if they yeah. you've told them like, hey, you'll be at first cup World Cup, your first place World Cup break. They'd be like, oh yeah, fine, done. Sign up. But no, now, up for now there's good. so much momentum. I mean, they feel like, I mean, you know, as a Liverpool guy, like they feel like this like invincible team where it's like they just overcome everything that's thrown at them. The the United match, I mean, you know, I don't think United, I don't think Arsenal played, they definitely deserve to win that game. But Arsenal, I mean, United scored two goals, obviously kept punching them back in the mouth. And then the late Nakedia goal, like that's just, I mean, that's just, yeah. that's incredible stuff, man. That's like a really, really tight knit team and a motivated team and like kind of like a team of destiny, quote unquote. So I, you know, I, 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 I'm mad because I'm not a big Arsenal fan. I kind of enjoy the Arsenal banter. I have an Arsenal friend. I joke like I miss when Arsenal were bad. It was just way more fun, but you got to give credit to this team. Like they, they have this like aura around them where like, I don't, I don't ever expect them to lose. 
exactly why I'm taking Arsenal yeah. at plus 320. I mean, yeah. you just you just made my point for me. Um, I think you made a great point, Steve, about, you know, we don't know what the lineups are going to look like and who's going to take it seriously. But I, I almost subscribe to the theory of, well, what if Arsenal kind of needs this game to prove that they belong, to prove that they can get over the hump, to prove, to put a little bit of the doubt in City's mind. Um, and, you know, and we just saw City lose to United, what, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever it was. I mean, I, I could see a similar result here. And I don't think we'll get Arsenal at plus 320 ever again the rest of the season, maybe not even next if they keep this up. So uh, for me, that number is just a little too good to pass up. And and if you don't like it, um, they are also plus 230 draw no bet and they're plus 180 to advance. I, I think those are incredible numbers in, in a big match, which could really go either way. I See, I was on that line, I think, with Nick today when I saw that. I was like, I don't know, like if Arsenal – come out and they want to like prove that they belong with city. Maybe this is the game you, they you don't know, have to prove go it. at they're, them and then kill them off. I don't clear. know, but they have yeah, nothing. I, I don't six know. points it's is nothing, dude. That's, that's I one think you have to wait three. for, I don't know. How much do you think the line, the line shift? If we see like Arsenal's regular 11, do they shift that much within an hour of the match? Yeah, it should. Yeah. If, if you see, you know, all three of their key attackers in that lineup, then yeah, it probably does. But I don't see, I don't see that happening. If something bad happened, if if Martinelli or Saka picked up an injury in that sure. sense, well, like that would Holland be uh, an injury. I mean, yeah. What if he's playing? So you could say the same thing. The the other thing though, guys, is I believe City play Arsenal twice in the league. Um, yeah. So yeah, so they, they have two more left. I don't think again. This is this to me. Arsenal have nothing to play, nothing to prove here, and nothing to play for. Like they just mm-hmm. don't. They are like they're like they need they. The only way. I think that City, and we could if you want to get into the futures of this if you guys want. I think the only way that City come back and win, they cannot, they probably have to beat Arsenal twice, and they certainly can't yep. lose either of those games. Um, and so for me, if you're Arsenal, you go, I don't care about this game, man. Like, go ahead and win the FA Cup. We, we've won it many times. Yeah, Nick, and if Holland gets injured, then Julian Alvarez, World Cup winner, steps in. Who cares? Great point. That dude, I'm so <laughs> mad he's on City because he is so freaking good. Like, I, yeah. he should, he, he'd be starting for, you know, 18 other teams in the Premier League, yeah. probably. All right. Well, we'll transition out of that, and then we'll, we'll we'll close out with talking about your Premier League club, Everton. There's been a lot going on with them in the news lately. Frank Lampard, manager's now out, looking for a new manager. I don't know that we have a, a confirmed name. It was Bielsa for a little bit, but now there's questions about whether he wants to take on the squad in the current shape that they're in, given that he likes to play a little bit more of an up-tempo play style, and you know, Everton's players don't exactly fit that to a T. So you're sitting in 19th place, but the good news is you're only three points away from Leicester in 14th place. Do you think Everton have another miracle escape in them to stay in the Premier League next season? Obviously, we're doing this without me knowing who the manager is, um, but it's classic Everton fashion of like, you know, you had the entire World Cup and then another month essentially after that to figure out who is a replacement for Frank Lampard? You knew that like there were big games coming up. You knew this is a possibility. And yet here we are, you know, you let him stay for all these basically crucial six pointer games that you lost every single one of them somehow, by the way, picking up a point against city, which is the most Everton thing ever. <laughs> um, and now you're in a position where like, cool, we lost all these games and we don't even have a guy lined up to take the job. Like what happened with wolves? They went and got Lopetegui almost immediately. Um, Aston Villa went out and got uh, our guy Emery from where was he? Villarreal, I believe in Spain. Yeah, like it was almost immediate, and now you know with Everton, it's like, oh, all right, let's get let's give Wayne Rooney a call. Like, what what has he done? Like, he's done. <laughs> I get like a decent run for for like in, you know for for was it Derby City or Derby County in the in the uh, 
in the championship. Like, you know, Sam Allardyce's name has been thrown around. <sighs> Bielsa, like, I mean, Bielsa is not a guy you bring in in January. Like, dude, Bielsa, that's it's probably the most complicated system you could possibly learn. You need to do that in the summer. It probably takes multiple transfer windows to even remotely get the kind of players that he wants in. Um, and meanwhile, Everton have had basically like the leftovers of six different managers of guy players that they pick. I've said it for multiple years. Everton are the worst run club in the world. Their owner is completely delusional. Their board is completely delusional. The players are not good. And while I don't think Frank Lampard is a great coach, it's certainly not his fault. I, I, the way I put it was, I don't think Frank is the problem, but he's certainly not the solution. So I, I understand you firing him. Uh, I think the only way that they stay up is if they hire Sean Dykes. And I don't even like Sean Dykes that much. The problem, too, is like if you hire a guy now and they do stay up, like then all of a sudden you have to you keep, keep him next year. Yeah. And like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. So no, they're just, in, think, they're just in a terrible position. Like I, I, again, they are the worst run club in the world. They really are. I think big Sam would, would be understanding of what his role is. But it, it, the interesting thing to me is given the position where West Ham are right now, it'd almost be interesting to see if like Moyes would be available. Cause that's something that would be kind of a fun storyline for Everton. I, I mean, they're also for sale too. That's the big news that also popped up today is it looks like this ownership group is, is finally kind of. Yeah. Given up. I, the only thing is like, who's buying Everton right now? Like wait, wait six months and the the price will be cut in half when they're in the championship. Um, the other thing too, guys, is like, you know, I, I'm coming in like doom and gloom here, but it, it's like a pretty bad situation. If they go down, there's like a, there's like a decent chance. This is like a Sunderland 2.0 thing. Like they are in the terrible financial uh, finance fair play situation. They can't spend any money. They've thrown all this money at these players and gotten nothing back because none of their players are assets at all to anyone and anyone that does have any value if they go down it's going to be sold for like 50 cents on the dollar jordan pickford dominic calvert lewin like anyone onana any i mean these these are decent premier league players but like no one else really has value and they're not going to have the money to then buy a, a squad that's probably going to be good enough to get promoted in the championship again so i don't really if they go down maybe i'll be completely wrong and maybe they'll somehow come up and i'm overestimating the championship but the championship's like not some like easy merry-go-round that no. you just ride and come back out yeah. the other end like they, you can get stuck there for a while and when you do and you're not getting that that money from the premier league you're kind of screwed and on top of this they have all these debts because they're building a new stadium that they're potentially yeah. going to be moving into in two years which we don't even know if it's going to get done if they go down or if the club gets sold again i, I it's a absolute disaster. And I, is, if you ask me, I don't, I do not think they're going to stay up. I just don't, the players are completely apathetic. Their best player, Dominic, their best player is Jordan Pickford. He's had a great year. So credit to him. He was, he and Richarlison were the only reason they stayed up last year. They sold Richarlison, replaced him with Dwight McNeil, who literally cannot play. Doesn't, he doesn't, he's an awful foot. They've spent 20 million pounds on him. I believe they bought Neil Malpe who cannot play. Um, and their second best player is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's never healthy. So, Again, I, 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 part of me is like, do I just hope they go down so I don't have to watch Everton anymore? Like, yes, part of that is in my head. I'm like, could I just finally rid myself of this club that I have no connection to? And I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but I, I have really no faith that they're going to stay up. And the only way I could see it happening is they, if they hired Sean Deitch and somehow he just did like the Burnley thing where he sat in a low block and, you know, you just try to like win a set piece and win a couple one nils and, somehow eat your way to 40 points. But again, why does Sean Dyche want this job? It's a, it's an absolute disaster right now. Yeah, they're definitely in a precarious situation. I mean, I remember we were talking last year about it. There were reports out that 
they were like one of the few clubs that didn't include relegation clauses in their players' contracts. Where usually yeah. you, Why would you cut do that? their salaries yeah. by fifty percent. So these <laughs> players don't fucking care. They're they're leaving nope. either way. Nope. And yeah, like you said, the stadium is halfway built. It's like a six hundred million pound stadium, and they've they've been trying to finish that up for the last two or three years. And going to the championship and opening that stadium in the championship would be an absolute. PR disaster, never mind like the finance disaster of it all. So it's it's definitely a tough spot. But I do, I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm gonna be nice to Everton here. I do think that they <laughs> stay up just because it's it's a three-point gap. Wow. There's so many bad teams this year. Like we I I'm, I'm gonna spoil one of my picks. Burnley has been incredible in the championship this year. They've not only figured out how to defend, but they've been scoring really well. And I think that this Burnley team that's top of the championship would probably be like 10th, 11th place in the Premier League right now, given how some of the clubs like Leicester and West Ham have, have fallen down and obviously Nottingham with their incredible spending spree that netted them absolutely no you know, talented players or for whatever reason. There's just too many clubs to, to drop points. And when you're really looking at a three-point gap between the bottom six, all it takes is like one or two wins, which is exactly what they managed to do you know, in April of last year to escape. So I think they get it done. It, it, all it takes is one guy like Anthony Gordon or Mopai just having a couple, you know, crazy games. And Mopai did it against, or did it with Brighton last year where he had, I think, three straight games where he had a 90th minute goal to either win three points or, or you know, bag a, a, an equalizer. So I think there's just enough there for Everton that it's not like they need to go on this winning streak of like five or six games. They just need to win like four games for the rest of the season and they'll probably be safe. <laughs> If you said, if you gave me three and a half, I would take the under. I really would. I'll book that action. Not only, do I th- not only do I think that they are going down, I think they're the worst team in the league. Like, I don't even think it's close. No, they lost Wolf, to, Wolverhampton's bad. They lost to Wolves. They just That's lost true. They to did move to Wolves. They, yeah. they ju- Southampton is bottom, who tied on, with Everton. They just lost to Southampton. They got beat 4-1 against Bournemouth, who is just ahead of them in the table, still in the relegation zone. They lost 2-1 to Wolves. They lost 2-0 to West Ham. They, they haven't beaten, again, somehow they got a point against Manchester City, which is incredible. They did get a point against Liverpool as well, which like, this is, that's what Everton do. They play they well do. against the big six and they yep. don't beat the teams that they should. And that's, honestly, that's kind of how they stayed up last year was they, they got some, they, they beat Arsenal. Um, like it just, it, they, I think they got a point against Manchester United, which was pretty unexpected. But again, like they, this, I think they're genuinely the worst team in the league. I, I, and that's not even taking into account how toxic the fan base and the and the ownership yeah. of the and the relationship with ownership is. I mean, and the owner consistently blames the fans. He's like, oh, well, you know, maybe if the fans like weren't so reactionary, and I wouldn't have fired so many coaches. And you're like, dude, it's not <laughs> the fans' fault that the coach you hired didn't do his job. And like, but here's the thing: you look at Marco Silva, who needed to be fired because it was a disaster situation at the end there for him. Everton, he's killing it at Fulham right now. Um, Carlo yeah. Ancelotti won the Champions League with Real Madrid. Uh, who else am I? Uh, obviously, David Moyes is he at least brought West Ham to Europe last year. Not so great this year. Um, Bruno Martinez. <laughs> Bruno Martinez, not, not, you know, I mean, I, I like the guy, but he, he needed to go. I mean, he we just kind of got at the end. Right? Rafa, no, he picked up the Portuguese he, national he just job. Portugal job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I just, again, it is so toxic. And I think these players just don't care, man. I really don't. That yeah. I, I, I think it's more likely they finish bottom than they, than they stay up. I really believe that. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for joining, sharing all of your expertise in betting, Roma, and of course, Everton. Uh, we appreciate you. having you on. And anytime you want to come back, hey, let, I'll tell you what, if Everton stay up at the end of the season, I want you to come back on. We'll have a little celebration for you.
I, listen, I, 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 but again, I've said this, what's better for my mental health, another year of having to figure out if everything can stay up or just yes. them going down and ridding myself of this terrible nope. team. That, that wouldn't be any fun. This is what <laughs> we do. You could be the next Newcastle. If you're up for sale and you guys manage to stay up because Newcastle, let's not forget we're in 20th position this time last year. We just get need another, the, another ownership Saudi Arabia gonna, to buy yeah. us and then we'll be fine. Yeah. QSI are supposedly looking for investment. So you might have a chance there, yeah. but they are, they were rumored to be the sponsor of the stadium. So you never know who knows, but, uh, but no, right. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, and thank you as a Liverpool fan for having some optimism about Everton. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah, Let everybody know where to find you, Steve. Yeah. You can find me at Saruti on Twitter. Um, also Ryan Rosillo podcast. And uh, we're going to be doing some stuff in the ringer gambling feed as well. Um, I think once the Champions League comes back, uh, that'll that's Champions League stuff. We'll do a little bit of U.S. Men's National Team in there as well for all the drama that's going around with them trying to find a coach. You can find that in the Ringer Gambling feed. Appreciate it. All right, guys, let's get into our hat trick of picks, our locks of the week. We are coming off of a, another Dynamite Week, 6-3-1. and one. Picked up a couple of units. Scotty, as always, lead the way. All right, so for my first lock, I'm going to the FA Cup. I'm going back to a team that I went with in the last round, and that's going to be Burnley on the money line at plus 105. They're playing at Ipswich Town. Burnley is the best team in the championship far and away. I said it when we were talking to Steve. I'll say it again. They know how to defend, but now they also know how to score. On the other side, you have Ipswich Town, who's third place in League One, so at one level below. Um, they also have Burnley's ability to score in bunches, so it, it might be a you know a handful of goals in this game. But honestly, I, I think Burnley are going to find a way to kind of stem that tide and, and be able to pull this one out. Maybe it's like a three-one win, um, and I just love the value at, at plus one hundred five for them. All right, I'm going back to being coach worldwide this week. Last week, Coach, coach worldwide had a rough week, zero two and one. I had brought down our record, so <laughs> two of those three losses were on me. I thought I loved a lot of things. The Premier League did not work out. I will say I had a great day in the Bundesliga today. After it the first, first match week, I let it ride to see how things would play out. A lot of goals being scored. And I'm going back to two of the teams that I rode today to victory. One is RB Leipzig. I'm going to take them again, minus one like I did today against Stuttgart. They're minus 135. They've been in solid form since before the World Cup break and now looking strong for a Champions League place, which early in the year they, they were kind of not looking that way. Uh, held Bayern to a 1-1 draw last week and then hammered Schalke today. I think it was 5-1 final. Uh, they travel to another relegation battle inside in Stuttgart on the weekend. I'll take the minus one because I don't see how they don't win this one. Um, and I think they win by multiple goals. Coach Worldwide, love it. All right, so here's a disclaimer. I was 3-0 last week, feeling good. Looked at the board this week. Multiple back and forths with this team here. Absolutely fucking hate everything, which means we're going 3-0 again. We're going for six fucking wins in a row. There's no doubt about it. Featured match we talked about, Napoli-Roma, over two and a half goals, is right now a toss-up, minus 110. I like the trend for both of these teams. Roma have scored two in three straight Serie A matches. Napoli, two-plus in three straight. I think that trend continues. I think Dybala has really transformed how Roma play. Um, he he is the focal point of this team now that he's healthy, and Mourinho is smart enough to let him be the focal point of the team. It's something he never really got at Juve. So I love that. But I also think Napoli have the midfield to really cause turnovers, create chances if Roma and Dybala try to hold on to the ball a little too long. Um, they're deadly on the counter. We've seen it all year. We saw them put five past Juve just a couple weeks ago. And Kavara is a game-time decision, I believe. But if he does come back, if he starts, even if he's available, I think that's even more of a boost. Osimhen leading the team, leading the league in scoring. He could win the over by himself. 
over two and a half goals, set it and forget it, minus 110. Baradona, please put some respect on the name. Yeah, my bad. Um, all right, going into the second lock for this weekend. I'm sticking in the FA Cup. This time I'm going with two Premier League clubs. It is Brighton versus Liverpool. I am taking Brighton at home, draw no bet, plus 100. They just smacked Liverpool 3 nothing at home. It wasn't even close. It's arguably Liverpool's worst performance of the whole season, which is saying something because Liverpool have been terrible all season long. I also don't know that Liverpool are going to be starting all of their key guys in this one. I know they don't have a whole lot of competitions between the matches, so they don't need to rest guys per se, but usually Klopp likes to use his, the youth in these matches just to get them some experience. So you can see names like Bayatich, Elliot, Carvalho, maybe even Ben Doak, um, in addition to Gakbo, who honestly hasn't really impressed this season. So I think Brighton will be able to kind of continue their, their scorching hot form, get an easy win here, but even if they don't, Save yourself a little draw no bet action. Still going to get even money with those odds. All right. So I'm going to stick stick in Germany for this one. I'm going with another team that should have been absolutely killing it. And they they won me a team total over real early today. Nick, what did I text you? About 20 minutes in, I think. Uh, I'm going Wolfsburg. Team total over one and a half at Werder Bremen at even money. I'm, I'm kind of shocked they're getting even money. I know it's on the road, but um, they've been absolutely cooking on offense since October. Looking back, they've scored multiple goals in nine straight matches between Whoa. the league and the cup. Yeah, multiple goals in nine straight. Yeah, uh, and that's not friendlies or anything. I skipped all the friendlies looking back. Uh, I think it's eight league matches and one in the cup. Um, plus the, the 5-0 against Hertha today, 6-0, 6 nothing over Freiburg, who was second in the table before last weekend when they hammered him. Uh, meanwhile, Werder Bremen, get this, they play tomorrow. We're recording on Tuesday, play Wednesday midweek. They gave up seven to Cologne over the weekend. So uh, I just feel like, how do you not get two goals in this one? I, I'd be shocked. I almost like I love that so much. I almost want to fucking make it the pod lock, but it's okay. We'll, we'll ride with Steve on that one. I think I'm definitely riding the coattails. I love that bet. Um, all right, so I'm gonna go to a, the second bet that stood out to me, and this was before today's game. Uh, we, we briefly spoke about it. Lazio absolutely demolished Milan today. Um, so it actually makes me hate this bet a little more. But I, I like Sassuolo. They're taking on Milan. They're getting uh, one and a half goals, and that's at minus 130. So the last time Milan beat someone by two goals was November 2nd, and that was in the Champions League against Salzburg. The last time they did it in league play was October 22nd against Monza. That's absolutely fucking wild to me. It's insane. Um, Sassuolo hasn't been great, but they've scored in three of their last four, um, and in the worst, um, you know, they've they've had a one goal loss in, in all or better in all of those games. Uh, Lazio did beat them two nothing with a like a 48th minute goal and like a 94th minute goal. So I think um, they haven't been terrible defensively. Not the Sassuolo of last year where we rode them to overs every single game. And and you guys saw Milan today. I mean, uh, they didn't fucking do a single thing on offense. So uh, I think Sassuolo keeps it close and uh, getting a goal and a half at minus one thirty. Um, you gotta like him in this spot. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good chance of getting a win if, if Sassuolo just gets one goal, to be honest with you. Right, so, right. Yeah. Exactly. Get a goal and we're hitting this bat. I agree. Yeah, not bad. All right. For my third lock, I'm gonna keep it in Italy. I'm going with a pick that is so bad it's good. So I'm taking Udinese at uh Hellas Verona, or sorry, their home versus Hellas Verona. Their team total over one and a half is minus 120. So Udinese, we rode them very often in the first part of the season. They were scoring like crazy, getting two plus goals in nine of their first 12 matches. However, 
Since then, they have significantly cooled off and they've hit that mark just one time in their last nine games. On the flip side, Hellas Verona, terrible in the first half of the season. We were riding and fading them pretty successfully for the first, I don't know, two and a half months of the season. And they went to the World Cup break with 10 straight losses. However, since then, or since the World Cup break has finished, they're 2-1-1 one, and one in their first four games back, and they've conceded just two goals along the way. So why would I take the over one and a half in this game? Because it's minus 120, and that's just a crazy, crazy line. So the books know something. They want everybody to come in here. They want to take, they want people to take Hellas Verona. They want people to take the under. I'm not falling for that. I'm going to fade that. I'm going to stick with the sharp pick, and that's going to take the over one and a half minus 120. That's just seasoned right. veteran shit right there. That, that's why you guys listen to the podcast for that. All right. I'm staying in steady out with this one too. Um, I'm going Empoli draw no bet against Torino at home plus 125. Empoli's coming off that huge win of the San Siro against Inter. Uh, they're unbeaten in five in the league. So it's not like they had a one-off there. I think they're in, uh, feeling pretty good about themselves. Could this be a letdown? Sure. But I think at home, the fans will be behind him. Uh, three wins, two draws in their last five. Meanwhile, Torino has drawn three of five. The two sides played to a 1-1 draw in the fall. So I could see a similar result. The draw is paying plus 190, but I'm always a, a little wary of betting the draw. So I'll take Empoli plus money at home with the protection against that draw in the draw. No and, bet. And here's, here's the reality. Torino fucking stink. They don't score. They don't score I mean, a lot. I, yeah. I don't know that they've I could scored certainly see, game all year. Yeah. I could see like a 1-1 in this, but I'll take my push rather than bet the draw and have Empoli win 2-0. That, that's just the way I feel. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, so I had to fucking scrounge the earth for this last pick. <laughs> this is uh, tough. I went, I went super coach worldwide. So guys, if I mean, listen, it counts. It's a lock. It's it's on the air. It goes towards my record. But if you're listening and you want to not take one of my picks, even though I'm hot as shit <laughs> right now, this is the one to take. But I am going to Spain, La Liga, Mallorca. Draw no bet. Minus one ten at. Cadiz, 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 I don't know, Cadiz, I think is Cadiz. how we say it, I don't know, yeah. Cadiz, that's Cadiz. how little I watch this league, yeah, okay, is it, is it the, the Cadiz, okay, gotcha, so they are facing relegation, 16 points out of 18 games, they have a minus 17 goal differential, and Mallorca has three wins in their last five, and most importantly, former Lazio great, Vedat Marici, is leading the team with eight goals, draw no bet, Toss up minus one ten. We got to take a stab here. It's it's so bad that it's good. In the words of Scott. Yeah. All right. If you're gonna follow that logic, I'll ride with you because I think sometimes those are the best ways to bet. So uh, that's the coach Steve method too. He sees coach seems to find a lot of these relegation teams that like they're not terrible odds at taking the opposing team. So I, I did my best coach Steve impression. I went across the. Uh, I don't know. It's not even a pod, really. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Speaking of coach, bring us home, coach. What is our pod lock of the week? Now, reminder, our pod lock of the week is 11-3-3 on the season is the best bet week in and week out. Coach, you got another win for us, right? Yeah, we're going back to Italy, and we're going one that you might not expect. We're going Lecce against Salernitana, both teams to score at minus 110. It's pretty much a toss-up on the books right now. The both teams score yes or no. We're going yes. Uh, Lecce at home tends to be better than they are on the road, but they also concede at home as well. It's a lot of like two, one wins. Uh, they've pulled off some big ones at home and Salernitana tends to score most matches, even though, even when they lose. So I like both teams to score. We agreed on it. And I think we are going to ride this one. Let's just root for some goals here. Hell yeah. 11 and three on the season boys could not be any fucking hotter. And we're, we're on what, like a four or five 
week yeah winning streak with the game of the i don't it's undefeated in 2023 that's what definitely the are saying definitely so ride with us uh another great episode breaking everything down guys uh, huge shout out to steve Cerruti who came on and dropped a shitload of knowledge uh you know both betting and otherwise so steve thank you so much um guys if you're if you're listening please just share like subscribe Tell all your friends about it. Consider becoming a patron. Uh, we do put all these picks in written form. We do post exclusive uh, player props and additional bets throughout the week. And we, of course, get early access and we'll be dropping some exclusive content as we go along. Thank you for your support. Stay hot. And catch you guys next week. Peace.